Okay, so this episode has a few audio issues because we had James Clark on as a guest and his microphone was not being picked up correctly. So, uh, sorry about that. Actually, it's not that bad, but uh, it does have some problems, so I apologise in advance. But nonetheless, enjoy. Bike. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to Nerd Prime. No matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Extreme Gardening Cast. Extreme Gardening Cast. Yeah. Okay, and today we got a segment all about fucking geraniums, motherfucker. Yeah. Get the bowls, get them pedals ready. Stick your dick in the soil. Oh, fuck it. Secateurs. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Oh. Um, coming at you live from Grignor's Bicep, it's me, Nick Lamley Lambslice. And me, Harrison Hunt, aka 17. And together we are the Tabletop Twats. Plus one. Okay, so uh, we've got a little guest with us today. And I say <laughs> I say little guest, right? Because he is all the way from Hong Kong. It's Jackie Chan, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Chris James, that's racist. What's wrong with you? Well, uh, sorry, man. Okay, but no, so for, for real though, James, uh, he's from the Philippines. He's James Clark. And he's here to talk to us about his very specialist subject, which is investigative campaigns, which we're talking about today. But before we get into that, today's show is going to be fucking amazing. We've got the competition update where people are going to be winning copies of Winter Eternal for Savage Worlds left, right and centre. They're going to be winning them all over the face. Yes. It's like a Winter Eternal bukkake. And then we've got... <laughs> We've got what you've been slaying. We've got the main subject. We've got the Chamber of Challenges. We've got Song Fight. We've got a new item, which is Video Game Gazebo. We've got Electro Letters. And then we've got some other shit going on. It is going to be a show. And not only a show, but a big show. Big one. It's a it's a whopper. It's a big... Do you remember the big show from WWE? Who can forget him? Well, well, it's the big show. Yeah. That was his intro. Yeah, yeah. Remember that. Remember that guy? It's going to be similar to that. Is he coming on? Yeah, no. He wouldn't get through your door. <laughs> no, no, because the trouble is, Nick, we only have guests on that have died recently. Oh, yeah. James. Yeah, I'm dead. Shit. It's uh, a competition. Okay, so um, that jiggle signifies that this is, in fact, the competition. So... The competition this week was to um, send us your ideas for settings, your elevator pitches for your setting books. And in order to um, enter, you had to email us your setting ideas and you would win a PDF copy of Winter Eternal for Savage Worlds. Every entry would win one. But the king, the grand idea, the ultimate winner would win a hardcover copy of Winter Eternal. What? So nice! I know, it's so nice, isn't so, it? Right, I'll get the ball rolling. Um, so our, 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 one of our entries that came in, the first one, was from a fellow 
colleague, Manuel Salms. Okay, let's read this out. Okay, so Manuel's elevator pitch is, you play an elevator. You're an assassin killing people while they walk. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really didn't see that one coming. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, right. Okay. You play good. an elevator. You're an assassin killing people while they ride in you. You can't be too obvious or you'll get replaced. That's amazing. <laughs> that's so uh, that's Manuel Sams with. Uh, well, he hasn't got a name, so we should call it Ele- Elevator Assassin. What about Elevator? Elevator. I like right, it. That's Elevator. good. Okay, so the next entry comes from Usher. I'm getting ready to start my first campaign using the Savage Worlds rule set, and this would be a great way to start them out. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. Okay, uh, it's who's, different. Who's that? Patrick Usher. Okay, Patrick, uh, you. You've missed the point a little bit there, mate. Um, that's not really a setting idea. But well done for getting in touch. And get, for creativity, to get we, a PDF. Do you know what? I'm going to go for Chad Booth, because I like his name. Nice. Um, Dear Twats, I hope you'll indulge me. I have a few elevator pitches for games instead of just the one. Okay, first one is Jade Lamp. Gaslight Gothic Tales meets Chinese mysticism and Wuxia. Don't know what Wuxia means. <laughs> Um, Murder Death Kill Race Rally. Death Race 2000 meets Running Man. Prisoners race against each other while avoiding killer cops, mercs, and I'm citizens. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. (laughs) And finally, a silly one. Dance Dance Evolution. Dance-offs against other life forms to evolve and advance. (laughs) Man, that sounds rad as fuck. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And the next entry comes in from uh, Terry Hansen. Um, Here is my quick pitch for the setting. Anubis. Right, set in a nebula-like cluster of shifting electric gas and matter floats countless bubbles of solidified reality. Each bubble contains its own unique and self-sustaining reality. Only unique individuals know there is something else and uh, something else and greater just outside the confines of reality. These individuals are able to blur the border and open a portal to travel to another reality contained in the ether sea. Uh, beyond simply reality jumping adventures, are also uh, are to be had sailing the vastness of the ether sea, defending themselves from warped ether wraiths or the religious crusade of the Kolob Empire, that wants to claim the uh, the entirety of all realities for their uh, for their profit. Whoa! What's this guy's name? Uh, that's Terry Hansen. Okay, sick. Terry. Um, sick. Terry, I just want to say, uh, stop uh, taking so many drugs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but uh, well done. Uh, that's really cool. So, oh shit! So not Anubis, Anibus, Anibus. <laughs> so um, basically, with Anibus, uh, everyone's in these like <clears throat> bubbles of confined reality. Yeah. And occasionally they escape it, and there's these bizarre creatures and bizarre outside of. Only unique things. individuals can do that, though. Yeah. Now it's time for the final battle. Magic missile. Okay, the next one comes in from Zach the Jenk Jenkins. The party wakes up, their head splitting and their eye suits nearly empty. They're at a new remote substation for a huge deposit of sun shards, but with no memory of why they're there and no quick way to get home. As they refuel and walk around the base, they find a vast majority of the shards have been excavated. There seems to be evidence of theft and a terrible case of being left to die. Can they find out why they've been left for dead in the Arctic wastelands? Who would do such a thing? Deeper into the shard mine they go in search for answers. Magic missile! So what he's done there is he's actually come up with a story idea for Winter Eternal. So he has also misunderstood a little bit 
But the sad thing is about Zach Jenkins is because he's um, literally murdered. No, he's never murdered. Never murdered anyone. anyone. No, 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 no. He never, hasn't. Never. Has Has Zach just cryptically confessed to one of his own crimes? He murdered somebody. Who left them? <laughs> he murdered somebody in the Arctic. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, confession. I like uh, it. it. Yeah, it's cool. But uh, I'm thinking that's going to be a winner because he just done an idea for Winter Eternal. But nonetheless, I really liked it. And mm-hmm. we're going to be playing Winter Eternal very soon. So I think I'm going to nick that one, Zach. Cheers, Thank you mate. very much, man. And a PDF coming your way. Pedef. You're going to get a pedef, mate. Um, so just to confirm... Read, read the Malois. So just to confirm, not only do they get the hardback... No, no they just get a PDF, mate. Winner, winner. Yeah, the winner gets a hardback copy. Yeah, so the winner winner, the actual winner, gets both. Yeah. Oh, don't know about that. Yeah, they probably do get both. Mate. Yeah, they probably do. <laughs> okay, next up, uh, the next idea comes in from Pete Malloy. He says, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Hello. How the fuck did that come it's out? It's me, Pete Malloy. Hello. Okay, that- next up, I'm going to read Pete Malloy's. Hello, twats. <laughs> I love the Winter Eternal review. Here's my elevator pitch. Lesbian Nazi world. June 1944. Operation Overlord. The Allied invasion of Europe failed. Nazi Germany won the war. And all of Europe and North America is ruled by the Third Reich. 71 years later, Adolf Hitler has had a sex change and is now known as Angela. Meanwhile, in the United States, she has just installed a new chancellor, Donald Trump, in the capital, West Frankfort, Illinois. Same-sex marriage is now compulsory and the Mexicans have built a wall to keep Nazi America at bay. Take on the role of resistance fighter in this brave brave new world. Regards. (laughs) Brunave. Regards, Pete Malloy Jones. <laughs> What's that? with the voice, man? That's just how it's written. Ah. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. The next one's in from Morgan Ellis. Set in an alternate reality where food has also evolved from animals and has become the dominant sentient species and humans are hunted for substance. I can't say the word. Substance. Substance are hunted hunted for substance. Different kinds of the same food are simply evolved uh, forms of the original. The tagline being, in this world, either you eat the food or the food eats you. Available now, Morgan Ellis. <laughs> I would play the fuck out of that. Yeah, I like that as well. Just picture this huge cheeseburger running down <laughs> to eat in humans. That's yeah, awesome. you're like, imagine imagine like in, in like a normal D&D campaign where you're going through the woods, right? And it's like you're attacked by a group of hot dogs. they fire mustard at you yeah that would be fucking sick thank you very much Morgan okay so the next one comes in from D.R. McLaughlin roleplay a battle hardened general prosecuting a campaign of extreme prejudice in this game of strategy tactics and opportunity control your personal disciples of war that will determine how regimes of equal powers descend into asymmetric warfare Players summon forth their fighting units from their randomised forces pool, comparing unit statistics to determine engagement outcomes. Defeated units are taken prisoner and augment the numbers of the victorious fighting forces. During the campaign, opportunities arise when units engage but are equally matched. It is time to pray for blood and obtain a new level of conflict intensity. Force multipliers are used to miscalibrate the struggle for dominance until superior augmented fighting force is clear victor. The campaign continues until the ultimate commander ensures his subjugated enemy recognises unconditional defeat, surrender and loss of all available units. The fate of this chaotic world world lies in the balance. Are you strong enough to see this mission through? War includes a link to online rules, a complimentary deck of 52 playing cards. Okay, so what Daniel's done there is he's accidentally made a board game. And that's one long elevator. And that's not a setting. (laughs) 
<laughs> Daniel, that's not a setting. You've made a board game. <laughs> Alright? Sounds like fun. Yeah, it would be fun, but you've made a board game. <laughs> Alright? So in future, don't make a board game! <laughs> yeah, okay, so the next one is from P. Snow. Peace Nizzle. Um, here's the pitch. A once buried turtle man race called the Fugite has risen from the depths of the ocean world Ichthia to reclaim what was once theirs. Abandoned a hundred years ago from the Intergalactic Federation due to the collapse of the Stargates, strong humans, mystic aquans, wise sylvans, and doughty petrons will find their territories attacked through terraforming sorcery of the Fugites. Ancient technology makes long forgotten sorcery on islands no longer known. Thank you, Perry Snow. Oh yeah, I was, the whole time that was being read out, all I could imagine was like a hip hop beat behind it and it being like a spoken word form of rap. Yeah. Such a fugite. It's good. <laughs> I think we should <laughs> we should try and um, adopt that as a new insult. Yo, we the fugites, Pete. <laughs> Shut up, you ugly fugite. <laughs> Tip of 40 to the curve for my fallen fugites. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you very much, Peace Snow. Peace Snow, man. Piss no. So that sounds like peace out. Yo, peace snow, my fallen fugites. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm peace snow, and these are my fugites. And the final one's in from Matthew Imaginary Truth Jones. He's back. He's back. Hello, Harrison and Nick. So I'll start with my pitch. Oh, you forgot James. Oh, sorry, mate. You asked him. Cough. Begin speaking in movie trailer voice. Oh, imagine on, if you were. Imagine if you will a world built on the remnants of a past long forgotten, the scars of wars long ago filled by the hopes of explorers, settlers and entrepreneurs heading toward the West to discover secrets of the past and the future for themselves. Coughs speaks in a normal voice. Okay, so basically we are looking at a weird West setting uh, with future technology buried and hidden through the world. Also, there is a second moon that literally flash freezes everything beneath it. This moon rotates around the world and takes about a year to go around. This has been adapted for by people building bunkers to live in during the freeze. Other than that, there is no winter and it only lasts two weeks. This all takes place on Earth in the United States hundreds of years after a cataclysm that was forgotten or erased. Sounds Ooh. pretty rad. Yeah, it does sound mm. pretty rad. And Matthew, you're a rad guy. But I think, right, that, that everyone, uh, okay, so everyone, I want to say thank you very much for your entries. You're all a bunch of rad fugites, and I think that you've done a cracking. I think that you've done a cracking job. So, um, but I think I've, I've um, realistically, right. I, I think there's three options that stood out for me, right. For the main winner, I think you're all deserving of a PDF. Even that guy who just messaged to say that he wanted a PDF. <laughs> yeah, um, but the three, the three entries, I think for me that that we should vote on to be the winner. Are Hellevator by Manuel, Anibis <laughs> yeah. by Terry, yeah. and Awesome Source by Morgan Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, right, let's all put our hands up and vote, right? Okay, so Hellevator by Manuel, hands up. Okay, so that wins. <laughs> okay, awesome. so that means uh, Manuel Sam's, you win a hardcover copy of Hellevator by Manuel Sam's. Yeah, and it was so, so out there and literal, I loved it. Yeah, me and uh, Nick voted for that one. Out of interest, James, which one would you have voted for, Anibis or Awesome Source? 
Anubis. Yeah, that was a close enough. second. That was awesome. That was, well. was that was one where you would I would have totally bought that. If yeah, it was a real yeah. Thing. It's, it's just sounded amazing. So what, like, what we're saying is, Richard. Terry, make it for us. <laughs> get get onto some publishers about that, mate. That is some deep shit. Yeah. The same goes for uh, for Awesome Source, um, Morgan, because that sounds fucking hilarious. I would play the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well done. Anyway, this section's gone on way too long, so let's move on. Ouch. <laughs> That's when I throw the notebook, you know it's time to move on to the next section. Okay, yes, boss, yes, boss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> jelly, jelly sauce for better, boss. Okay, good. Oi! Yeah? What you slaying? This segment is what you've been saying when we talk about what we've been playing. And the thing about what you've been saying is it's a clever pun. Very yeah. clever. Mm. So, um, okay. this week, James... What did we play? We played some fucking Shadow Run, didn't we? Yeah, we played some uh, Shadow Bun. Tales um, from the Buns. Tales from the Buns. So um, I'll keep this really brief. Uh, this week I nicked wholesale a story from the wonderful webcomic Dr. McNinja. And it was a. Um, basically, obviously, in Shadow Run, it's quite a dark, grim world. But uh, my players in the game that I'm running have, have uh, got, got real ridiculous so I got ridiculous right the fuck back and um, this um, whole story, they, they basically stole a bunch of military equipment from Japan and flew to Mongolia to start a new military um, when they got there um, some FBI and CIA um, agents were hiring them to um, go into a temple and this temple basically in secret, once a year, all of the world's um, secret organisations, the GRU, the CIA, the FBI, the MI5, all team up to pick the world's best tennis player to play a dormant tennis god <laughs> at tennis in order to stop the world from ending once a year. <laughs> and this year it was determined to be Federer. And what they would have to do every year is sacrifice an entire team of Navy SEALs to get um, this tennis player through the dungeon um, to get him to this tennis arena at the end and and then play this tennis god. But when they got Federer to the end, he sprained his ankle. Jeez. And it just it just so happened that the Shadowrunners were passing through at the exact right time and they needed him to they need them to get a can of deep heat through the dungeon to Federer to heal him so he could play in this tennis <laughs> Bless match. His deep heat, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um just to cut a long story really short, um, what happened was is they got right through to the end of the dungeon and the final trap was, what was it James, it was like a bunch of... It was like loads and loads of mechanical sort of things like, there was like a pathway that we could see down and there was a tiny button on the end but it was like there was swinging sharks that were rotating around and chomping, like there was like big axes that were like you know, swooping left and right and, like, saw blades that were, like, coming in. There was almost, like, no way in because it was just... Jets of flame and shit like yeah, that. It was, it was mental. And then uh, Sledge, cool. the uh, street samurai meathead of the team, just decided to leap through and get to Federer. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously... <laughs> The f- nice. he, yeah, he managed it, nice. but um, obviously, stupidly, they didn't even take the. They forgot to take the deep heat through the dungeon anyway. Oh, so he was fuck. like, "Well, I better get get Federer back through all those traps to the healer then." <laughs> and so he picked him up, 
rolled fucking abysmally oh, on his no. gymnastics yeah, roll and he just held him, didn't he? No, no, he he picked him up and tried to run back through, <laughs> carrying him like a baby with Federer over his shoulder. And of course, he rolls abysmally and like in his first step, just trips over a tile on the floor and drops, dunks Federer into all of these traps. <laughs> <laughs> and Federer just gets jumped, like chomped in half no. by a shark, ch- like chewed up by all these fucking sores, <laughs> like. Poor Rog. Yeah, so in the end, they had to um, like beat this fucking tennis god um, at, at tennis, and it had like eight arms with ra- eight rackets in it, and like, <laughs> oh, shit. yeah, it was fucking awesome. But um, cool. yeah, yeah, I think what they did in the end was um, th- this uh, ancient civilization was technologically advanced. So one of them uh, wirelessly hacked into it and um, took all the information about playing tennis and uh, fucked it up, and then uh, Sledge played played it at tennis and beat it and they saved the world and then all the information that they downloaded from the tennis bot they um, then sold to the FBI because they were the highest bidder and then that uh, one of them leveraged all that information into a position on the uh, as a senator for the uh, Washington government um, so one of the characters is now a senator <laughs> and they've now got an offshore oil rig cool. as a base as oh, well. Which, nice. So that's how they managed to leverage all that information they downloaded from the, the ancient tribe. So they've done well considering they were on the run last time. Well, yeah, that was basically, that's how they did it. So so they, they basically, because um, they the FBI and all, all of the secret organisations that were involved wanted this information from this ancient, like, technologically advanced tribe. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was how they sort of played it. And um, it's sort of like a nice bouncing off point because now they've got this sort of, um, the, the everything's been reset and they've got this like base in the middle of nowhere and they can do these like big fucking cool missions they've still time. got a chopper yeah they've still got a chopper nice. and they've got a base yeah so it should be really cool next time um, we're going to cut back to them with one of them being uh, high up in the government and he's <laughs> yeah. going to be this like beefed up motherfucker with a bunch of cyberware really tight tra- suit on <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so it should be should be a good laugh and James it was your first experience playing Shadowrun and uh, what, what did you think of it yeah, like, I really liked it. You know what I liked most, which I, I was unprepared for myself, was uh, the dice system. Mm. Not D6. It was amazing. <laughs> like, one of the players, it was, it rolled 15 D6 at once. Amazing. I, I could I could handle that because I think I've got about 15 D6s in my collection. So yeah. I'd be like, not a problem. Oh, well, I bought, you know, I bought that 24-pack for your stack. But I oh, forgot. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just really cool to be able to... It's just so satisfying. That's like one of the... Main highlights. I mean, the game was awesome, but to play a completely new system, one. It's that, always good fun. Yeah, I was just like, okay, this is cool. And it, yeah, as, as soon as you obviously understand the mechanics behind it, it's super easy. And it's like, it's always like, it gives every single roll. Like, I was getting too excited. I mean, I had a, I had a few, <laughs> like, I had a bottle of wine that night. So, oh, but, um Classy getting, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was getting a bit too excited whenever I rolled because it was like so epic. It was all these dice going. I was like, oh! And then it was like waiting as they counted up the successes, and I was like, Ooh. "Nice, yeah." Because it's just, so you, you you throw a bunch of these sixes, and then they're either hits or misses, yeah, and then exactly. you add them up to work out what happens. Yeah, exactly. And you played, uh, was it physical adept? Um, Who was that? He was, yeah, he was. He wasn't physical. He was adept. Yeah, yeah. Because you, yeah. you you augmented your. He's he's like a rogue because it's kind of classless in Shadowrun for right. the edition. 
but um, you still have archetypes. So I yes. guess w- what James was was he was a rogue type character who augmented his rogue abilities using cyberware, Pretty essentially. Cool. Um, but you started the game, you forgot to put any. <laughs> oh, yeah, so honestly, I I created my character completely on my own, just just you know trying to look through the the character creation process, and then. I completely did not realise that, say, the weapons that I chose, because I basically, I got free run, I could buy anything that was in the book because that's how the the campaign was written and it was fine to sort of go OP because nothing is OP in this, uh, the way Harris made it. But So I had this like, amazingly good shotgun and I was like, oh yeah, how, how do I use that? And it's like, well, have you got... Um, long arms. Have you got long arms? I was like, what's that? He said, the skill, have you got... And I was like, oh, what, so I need... I need the skills in order to use it. He was like, yep. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, f- oh, fucking I haven't picked it. Got a nice shotgun, but I can't pick it up. <laughs> no, I managed to, the first one I did completely, like, you know, unskilled. Did you get your I, long arms? And I did it. I, did, I managed well, to get Well, I it. just said, seeing as we've only just started, just swap something out for long arms. Yeah, I did. We were five it. minutes in and James was like, I've got no means of attacking anything. So I was yeah. like, oh. You could just show people your gun. Look at my gun. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll for next time, but yeah, I, I felt like a right noob then. It was really hilarious. You got bunned. <laughs> it was good though, man. We had we had a magic user. We had um, a street samurai. We had a physical adept. We had um, a hacker, a drone rigger. It was fucking awesome. awesome. Well, I know what a street samurai is because I'm playing one. Oh yeah, yeah, you're playing one in old uh, Savage Warhammer. In Savage, no, Savage Shadow Run. Savage Shadow Run. We just Savage started. Run. That's Savage Run, yeah. Savage Bun Run. In addition to that, uh, I just wanted to talk about quickly, I went to London Anime and Gaming Convention where they had an RPG room. I won't talk too much about the other shit, but in the RPG room, oh my God, it was amazing. They had loads of tables. What? Yeah, I'm not shitting oh, you, man. man. It was ta- lots of tabletops. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking four legs. Oh, fuck. Well, origi- talk- tables. Originally, we wanted to make a tabletop podcast just about tables. But right. then we thought we better put some on the tables, so we talked about RPGs. Exactly. Yeah, so it evolved from there. But yeah, <laughs> wow, man, that's that was the awesome. evolution <laughs> of, the of this podcast. So you saw the original podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went in there and I thought, uh, let's play some RPGs, right? But um, I was more excited about the tables, so I was pretty glad there weren't any on there. <laughs> no, the point I'm trying to make was there, there, there was fucking nothing going on once again every year. There, nobody fucking organises anything. There's one guy that's in charge of it, and all he's doing is standing around. I spoke about him on the GURPS podcast. He's the big dude. It's brilliant! Guy. Yep, he's the Brian oh, Bless. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Love's made, and all he's ever doing is he's standing there. Oh, that- what happened when you told him that you had already played made? He was already crestfallen. Yeah, he, he loves made. He loves wearing a dress. Power to him. But the point is, is that he, he was, again, he was just stood there, right? But this year, I went up to the table because there was a stack of books, right? Stack of books that you could go and play, right? Mm-hmm. And they had D&D 5th edition, they had Shadow Bun, they had loads of stuff. And I went up and I was like, oh, maybe they've actually got some organised play this year. Maybe there are some games I could join in, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, I went up and there was a bunch of these books there, right? And I'm going to bleep out every instance of when I mentioned the book because I'm, you, I'll get to this. But um, they were called The <laughs> And I looked at these books and I was like, um, oh, what are these? And I was sort of mildly interested. And I was like, oh, these books are cool. And this guy came up and I said, I was just looking at these. And he was like, oh, I wrote them. 
out of nowhere. He, he was, was hiding, waiting for someone to go near that book. Yeah, and then and then I was like, uh, I was like, oh cool, these the, yeah they look pretty cool. And I, I I do a podcast. Would you mind if I interviewed you? And then um, we sort of got chatting about um, about his books, and I interviewed him for a bit. And I was going to play it on this podcast, but I'm not going to because <laughs> what? as he because as he started talking, right? Instead of t- I was like, so what sort of system is it? And he's like, we'll get to that in a minute. But let me tell you, D and D fifth edition is shit. Fucking Shadowrun shit. Pathfinder shit. It's all shit. Everyone should be playing my system because it's not shit like all the others, which are shit. And have I mentioned their shit? And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I like this guy that much. Um, so, uh, yeah, in the end, not a usable interview. So I was like... It was just slating Warhammer as well, wasn't it? Oh, no, Games Workshop. Yeah, you, you know, slating Games Workshop. Okay, so maybe, yeah, maybe people out there can figure out... No, I won't say, actually, because he did tell me that he once made a product... The Games Workshop published, and they sh- they shunted him a little bit, and oh, he right. was really bitter about it. That's why. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, there was no organised play, right? And and like, all they do is they stack up a load of books and say, if you want to come by and play, then do. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, oh, I've never played an RPG before. You know, I'll go by, read the fucking five hundred page Pathfinder <laughs> rulebook, and sit down and play with. Then some try people. and find some people to play, yeah. and then hope they've got dice on them. Yeah. Hi guys, I've never played this before, but I'm going to try my best. So what there's the no f- there's no organisation whatsoever. No, they and need they, to sort they, that out. I think what they hope is that people get on the forums and then go and play with each other. But it was a little bit shit. Um, but afterwards, I went down to Orcs Nest, uh, mm. which is a local RPG shop in London, and I went and bought bubblegum shoes. So Yay. that was pretty cool. But anyway, that's my what I've been saying. And you guys been playing any shit? Uh, I just wanted to mention a Kickstarter actually um, that I have backed, um, which looks pretty cool, guys. I think you'd like the sound of this. Um, it's called Fierce Sharp Little Needles. Um, it's an official called a Cthulhu product, but it's uh, done by um, Stiggy and Fox Publishers. It's um, they're a licensee, I think. And it's basically uh, Fear Sharp Little Needles is a grand collection of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition scenarios in a modern setting, easily convertible to 6. They focus on the darker aspects of horror role-playing and as such are recommended for a mature audience. Uh, more inspired by True Detective and Hannibal than Pulp Horror. So it's like more of a gritty kind I saw of James's thing. face light up then. He's a big Hannibal fan. Yeah. He, he literally just turned around like a meerkat. You were like, Hannibal! <laughs> Hannibal! <laughs> so it sounds really cool. It's So it's a... Um, um, yeah, they're, so they're modern Cthulhu settings. They're they're more one shot ish. They're like a big bunch of separate stories, and they're grittier, a bit more darker. But whoa, 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 Nick. Yeah. What's Call of Cthulhu? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's got seventeen taste days to go as of seventeen tastes. Seventeen taste to toe um, as of now, um, and it's up to twenty five thousand. It's doing well. It's funded, but it's uh, we want the stretch goals. So. Yeah, I just wanted to mention it because it looks fucking cool. So go check that out. And if you're into modern Cthulhu, then uh, yeah, give it a go. So nice. I will be slaying that eventually when it comes out. But I thought I'd give it Hopefully a mention we'll before be the that, Kickstarter yeah. finishes. But yeah, that'd be fun. And I thought, um, yeah, I thought I'd give it an, a mention. A Wicked bruv. Right, so that's what we've been saying. Should we move on? Yeah. yeah. All right, bye. Main. Subject. Main. Subject. <coughs> Sorry. Ladles and jelly spoons. This is now the main subject, and we are talking about investigative games. Now, what we mean by this is not your, your Call of Cthulhu's, your Trail of Cthulhu's. We mean just games uh, where you have investigative natures, investigating a murder, anything like that. 
Games, you can do this in Pathfinder, you can do this in D&D, you can do it in any game you want. But a game that has an investigative focus, what's the best way to DM one? What's the best way to do one, basically? And we want to offer some tips. And at the end of this, I'm going to share my DM's secret weapon of how to do this. And what is the best way? Because we've just wrapped up playing a big one that you did, James. It was in Pathfinder. Uh, I'll give you a little taste of what it is. Um, basically, we had our team of four guys. They were part of a forensics investigation team, and uh, that was their main uh, sort of skill. So they, so they had a um, what was it? They had profession which was uh, for forensic science. So they started off with a body in the, the crime lab and they just had to investigate it using their skills and determine, you know, what killed it, etc. High et mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a vagabond, uh, in fact. And um, yeah, yeah, so they, they, that was their like, main purpose. But it being set in Pathfinder, obviously, as they were traveling to different areas, they had to go through woodland, they had random encounters and stuff. And they came across um, sort of like a... A dead body um, that they'd been called on a raven about and they had to sort of investigate it and use their skills and stuff so it's a bit different from Pathfinder because it's not your typical fant- fantasy setting but um, I don't know should I let them know what I just based the entire thing on yeah mate yeah if you want yeah so what I, was you inspired by I was inspired by the TV series version of Hannibal what a show yeah, it's awesome. Obviously, I love the films as well, but uh, the TV series, I think, does an amazing job of it. And I was, I had recently watched it, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to apply it against this. Now, obviously, it's set in you know exactly the same way. It ended way sooner than it did, but um, yeah, it was it was kind of difficult for me, I think, because of uh, it being an investigative campaign. I think if I was to do another one in the same way. I would do it differently because obviously how I started is I had the story. I had the entire story basically already. And so I had the villain, obviously, instead of him being called Hannibal Lecter, he was Heston Lynch. And um, essentially in the first arc of the story, they killed him. And it wasn't meant to. It wasn't meant to happen like that. It was meant to be several arcs. It was meant to be one that. You should know. add. It was your first ever. It was campaign. my first ever uh, campaign. Um, but yeah, the idea was obviously they were going to investigate. If anyone remembers uh, or has watched it, this, uh, the first um, se- uh, season or even the first episode was to do with a uh, load of deaths and um, sort of one person responsible. Now, yeah, it sort of came to the end of that after nine eight episodes of us playing it so eight sessions and then yeah they just got suspicious of my version of Hannibal Lecter and investigated him had a massive fight and killed him so they mofo down well the thing is is because it's Pathfinder um we had our suspicions about him and decided to follow them up now if this was Cthulhu for example right if we had if we had our suspicions about him you know, you, you. It wasn't like we had suspicions, as in, as in hard evidence or mm-hmm. facts, right? We just had our suspicions, we as in, we thought he was involved. Didn't we? Just, yeah, we just think, okay, this guy's a bit of a creep. That mm-hmm. was it. That mm-hmm. was all our suspicions yeah. were. So all we did, right, was we were around his for a bit of dinner. Yeah. That was it. And I used hypnotism on him. And while he was um, hypnotized, 
I quickly said to everyone, right, let's go have a look around his house and see if we find anything suspicious. We did, and we didn't find anything, right? And then when he came back round, we all pretended like we were just in the middle of conversation. We were like, and so I said to her, um, banger, I hardly knew her. And then we all laughed, and he sort of came back round and was like, oh, well, what the hell happened? Yeah. But while he was hypnotised, we got Larry, who was the paladin of the group, to do detect evil. And he detected what James said. What did you say? I said um, he's detected him. He's evil as shit. Yeah, and so then we left his house, went to the pub, this goblin pub that we always seem to end up A local, in. a friendly local goblin pub. Yeah, and uh, Larry just said, um, "I uh, sorry for my language, guys, but I detected that he was evil as shite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, so from that point, we were like, well, we're part yeah. of an, an, uh, an investigation team that is, um, you know, supposed to be for good, so we have somebody that is evil as shit. So it's not that we knew that he was involved in the murders. We didn't have any evidence for that, but we yes, knew yeah. that we had somebody in our organisation that was evil as shite. Yeah. We knew that for a fact, yeah. because this is a spell that tells us that for a fact. So whether he's involved in the murders specifically or not, we knew that there was something that's, wrong. That's bad, yeah. yeah. He's so bad we guy. had to get on this train of investigation and we had to get that train out of the station and get it to its destination. That's right. Yeah. Pain train. Yeah, sort of going back to what I was saying about how I would have done things differently, um, if anyone wants to sort of do an investigatory campaign, is to have an idea, but not a full story. Because I had a full story. Um, it meant that, obviously, I wasn't able to change anything. Because if I changed anything, because, you know, I knew that the players were going to you know, find out and then it was basically the campaign was going to end. But because I based it on Hannibal and, and I already had a complete story for that and the character itself, he was the main the main big boss man villain. Um, if I changed it, then I would have just, you know, that would have just been cheating. I would have cheated the story that I've created. So my tip and the way I would do it differently is I'd create a beginning and sort of um, let the story evolve as the players go along. I mean, that was a few tips that I got from uh, Harrison and like Nick and Sean and that because they were all in previous DMs of our our, our group. Is that obviously they've got um, you know instead of having the full story to begin with, just have an idea of how to start it and then slowly piece it together and make it bigger as it goes along. So yeah, there's no way of me sort of cheating the players out of it because, you know, they did really well to, to get to that position. It would have been unfair just to change it. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome and they enjoyed it. So mm. I'm pleased with that. Did, well, we did, did really yeah. enjoy it. I, I think The that fights were pretty epic. They well. were awesome. Because I think that part of what you felt was like... Um, at that point, like, we sort of... Part of the reason it ended so quickly, and we'll get into the final bit, because the final bit was really interesting. But... Um, Part of the reason it ended so quickly was because we, we got suspicious and used Detect Evil, right? But, um, yeah, like, like part of the reason it ended so quickly was because because of that. And, like, like you said, you had it in your head all along that this guy was going to be the villain. And, and uh, that, that was the logical conclusion of the story. And as a result, you couldn't really change that because that was the end of the story. Yeah. And uh, if, if you'd have sort of more... Uh, made up as you went along and had had this more fluid story and just had the beginning maybe it would have gone on longer because yeah. you could have had it maybe 
you could have changed it at that point. Yeah, like um, the option to change stuff, and I even, you know, I was even contemplating it, but I came to, yeah, the conclusion, like I said, that if I do change it, then it's no longer the story I came up with, and then it's cheating, because... Yeah, because all this groundwork was already set up, because the, the, all the other clues that we come across so far all um, pointed to the fact that, that he was involved. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you'd have changed it at that point, like you said, uh, I think cheating is kind of the right word, isn't it? Yeah, if you'd well, have changed it at so that much... point, if you'd have changed it at that point, it, it's, it's not... Because the DM can't really cheat in that aspect, but... Yeah, no, I was, was going to say, it's not cheating for the players because the players still would have had fun and, you know, then the story could have evolved into something different, but it was just cheating to myself. Exactly, it wouldn't have felt quite as genuine, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because the story that I created, they would no longer be playing. It's just like, but this is the story I have and they're playing it and this is happening. So they just got to it way quicker than I anticipated. But you know what? Sometimes that's fun. And, and it did end up in this in this really, uh, really great climactic thing because let's go over what, what happened in the end. Because, okay, so we're, if we're glossing over quite a lot here, basically what happened was we detected that he was evil. So we he, he basically, he was responsible for the murders, okay? But um, we detected he was evil, so we had our suspicions and we wanted to investigate him. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did is we invited him to the pub and the idea was was that we were going to poison him with knockout poison. Um, <laughs> yes. so and, oil of Taggart. <laughs> oil of Taggart. <laughs> yeah. And what we needed to do was um, it, 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 we invited him to the pub, but we did it too hastily because I didn't have my spells. Shit, I yeah, I hadn't, I didn't have many of mine either. Um, and we needed our spells because I had, um, we needed to get to his house once we poisoned him, right? That's right. And we needed. We were going to get him drunk as well, wasn't we? And then exactly, and we needed our spells because I had um, uh, knock, so I could unlock doors. I had detect secret doors. I had all this shit that we needed to properly search his house. Yeah. And we needed to get some money together before he arrived at the pub. So we took my oven. <laughs> We took my oven from my house and sold it to this shop. I convinced him that it was a magical oven. We then used those funds to buy the poison. Um, we got it to the pub. We we had this whole night where we were trying to get him really, really pissed. We had to get um, the goblins on side, first of all. So we put the groundwork in there. Do you remember the hushed conversation you had with the goblin bartender? Yeah, we got the goblins on side. All a lot of, this, of money. You know, it seemed to be going well. And then we got the poison in his drink. And just as we got the poison in his drink... He tipped it right the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So at some point, and James revealed this to me yesterday, what yeah. happened? Uh, so um, as they were trying to cover up the fact that the poison was being put into the shot that he had, they um, uh, got around the shots at the goblin bar. One of them went up to the bar to get it all ready and hand over the poison and get the goblin to put it in there. But just as everyone was shouting, um, what were they shouting? It was, um, what was the type of drink it was again? It was scutton. Yeah, which is something going, it was like a really strong goblin shot yeah, yeah so everyone was going Scarton Scarton and at <laughs> yeah. that precise moment when the actual players around the table were shouting that I said the words in uh, in my Heston Lynch's voice of detect poison but because they were shouting they didn't hear that so that's just you know I didn't cheat the way into it so they didn't hear it he detected that there was poison in his drink so as soon as it came over it got handed to him he just lifted it up, poured it out, and said, "What is this? It has poison in it." Wasn't pleased, yeah. Like that, and then they were all just like, "What the fuck? Like, how do you know that?" And obviously, because they were so confused, um, 
Yeah, like it, w- it was, it was kind of all shit, all hell broke loose at that point. <laughs> we fucking, an endless, huge fucking fight ensued. Yeah. We didn't want to kill him, right? We were trying not to kill him. Didn't want to. But we, we ended up killing him. But the point is, is that in this huge fight, what happened was, is that he was, what was he? He was um, part cleric, okay, so he part was, rogue. Um, a fifth level rogue, a fifth level cleric, and a seventh level bard. And then, so our party was trying to fight him. We fucking, we hogtied him. We um, we put, smacked a smoke stick down his throat. <laughs> we did. We, we While it was still a light, yeah. We slashed his Achilles heel. We gagged him. We put a sack over his head. Yeah. yeah. We, oh. it's, it's, it's actually crazy because the reason for death was because he had this smoke stick and um, shrouded down his throat, which obviously was releasing smoke for uh, a number of minutes slash rounds. Um, and he had a sack on his head. He was taking damage um, whilst all of that was happening. But even afterwards, after the smoke ran out, obviously the stick was still down his throat um, and the sack was still on his head. It was barbaric. But yeah. no one, no, no, none of the players, which is no fault of their own, but um, none of them were checking his vitals. They were saying, we don't want to kill him, just keep him tied up and we keep an eye on him. Well, he busted out at one point, do you remember? Because no, we went the, upstairs. The thing is, though, we, we tried one uh, lay on hands, which is like a pretty weak healing spell. But the thing is, we were, you were saying we, we didn't try to check his vitals. We, we did say we didn't want to kill him, but we weren't that concerned about <laughs> not killing him. Yeah, no, they didn't really care that much. Really. Anyway, yeah, we, we then locked him, him. We locked him in the goblin basement, right? Yeah. And then Nick and I went upstairs at midnight, and, and when, when the, the clock struck midnight, yeah. we then... Uh, I, I was concentrating on my spell book. You were concentrating on uh, praying to your druidic gods or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you were meditating, and we were getting our spells back. Um, we successfully... Well, somewhat successfully managed to concentrate, get our spells back... We legged, legged it over his house, over to his house, found all his secret doors, and found all the evidence. Yes, and it was a fucking really tense, yeah, bit of fucking investigation. But the the stupidest fucking thing was right <laughs> at this point. At this point, when we'd done all of that, it was two in the morning, right? Yeah, and and in your universe, you had phones, but they were basically ravens. We were like, "Fuck, we cracked the case, right? Let's get onto our boss." Yeah, and we, I got on the phone and I was calling the office up, and I was like, I was like, um, I was like, "Hi, it's Max Fury there," and it was just like ringing going to answer phone I was like why is nobody answering oh my so, god somebody's in on the conspiracy they're all dead <laughs> and, 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 and James was like it was, I was like so why was nobody answering the phone and James was like well it's two in the morning nobody's at work I was like oh right yeah but anyway we solved we solved the fucking uh, solved the campaign saved the day but that was it was such a good moment it was it was, it was so tense because we were just desperately trying to keep this guy it was way over our level <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. like desperately trying to keep him down we were sitting on him fucking... well, his whole character level was 17 as a result wasn't it mate oh, he was way above our pay grade. Yeah, I'm time. so proud of us. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was good, and uh, it was a very very good investigative campaign. And I like the fact that magic played a central role mm-hmm. in us, sort of overcoming yeah. that. Well, this is the thing, right? Um, in Pathfinder, we're not used to magic as far as our um, experiences because we've never been like a wizard or anything like that. All of our previous characters, now, I've always been a rogue. Sean's always been. What was it? Is it was he before? He was a fighter, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he was a monk. He was a but monk. Then monk we, yeah, we've yeah. had a cleric in a previous I was game. A gunslinger. It was it was Ryan, and he sort of more went for combat magic. And, yeah, you know, it's just just he turned into a tank. So we, yeah. were, we weren't used to all this other magical stuff that you could do. And obviously, I 
um, tried to sort of recreate the sort of magic in different ways. So the way sort of you know it they had modern, it was like a modernized. That's what I really setting. liked about the setting. It was an, it was a modern world, but yeah. with a magical element to it. Yeah, but, yeah. Ele- but magic was more an everyday thing as well. So it was quite. Yeah, I don't so know. It was really cool. I loved this. I loved the feel of it. Yeah, everything was uh, sort of powered by uh, blue orb stones. Yeah. And yeah, so as soon as those depleted, you needed more. And they had, you know, like television boxes and stuff like that. They were a bit older, but it's still, it was pretty modern. So it was easy for the players to kind of relate instead of being like, oh, I want to get the uh, fucking, I don't know, something weird. But we are here to talk about investigative campaigns. And I I, want to know, for for you guys, uh, as players, what what do you feel like makes a good investigative campaign? When you're playing one... What do you feel as if it makes you feel like you're intrigued and you're in, uh, uh, like, interested in fear. it? Fear. Fear? Yeah, fear. massively fear, yeah. I Unknowing mean, what's going on, so... Yeah, the unknown, completely. And also, yeah. I think... You know what, I think that's that's really hit the nail on the head because Hannibal is a very, very good example. I haven't seen, really, the series. I watched a couple of episodes, but if you look at Silence of the Lambs and things like that, it's a it's an investigative thing, and first and foremost, that's what makes it so good. And same goes for the American version of The Ring. I know it's a bit of a shitty movie, but part of what makes it so good is you've got the fear, but you've also got that investigative aspect of it. Yeah. And it's actually quite a good film, like a good story, anyway. And, and like, things like that make it actually quite interesting well a lot of a lot of horror films you know the the formula for them is we'll, we'll have an investigative investigative aspect to it so you can mm. kind of understand what this unknown is so yeah and that's what makes you want to keep going as well i think because you've, if you've got this threat that you don't understand it's wanting to understand what it is it's almost like that feeling of walking deeper into the haunted house isn't yes it? exactly um yeah so yeah maybe that's right that's that's a very very good point yeah, I liked. I mean, the first campaign that we did as a team um, was an investigative campaign because it was set in Cobra Cthulhu. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, and that was um, a horror one as well. Yeah, and so it was. Um, but there was there was moments of that that were tense. Yeah, no, but and it was it was tense, right? And intrigue as well. I think well. Harrison did like amazingly well with that one because there's still so many fond memories that we have. I mean, that's why we're a unit, and this is why the podcast exists as well because that's how. That first game, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, I just think it was awesome. So, yeah, thanks again, Harrison. That's all right, mate. Um, But, yeah, I I think as well, like, one of the things I like uh, as a player and one of the things that gets me um, intrigued as well is, uh, and I think it's interesting characters as well. Yeah. Because I find that that when you're doing an investigative campaign, it's all good having these fucking clues and, and having this story where people die and things like that. But if you don't give a fuck about any of them, why would you want to follow the bread crumb, the breadcrumb trail? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to bother with any of that shit when when nothing is, is interesting? Personal investment. Yeah, I, you have to have personal investment, and I get it. Like that, that really goes for any campaign. But like, if you're if you're doing a regular killing shit, slaying monsters campaign, you don't need to have as much personal investment because. You're cool because you get an XP and loot and shit. Yeah, yeah. With an investigative investigative campaign, when the story is really the main focus, when the intrigue and the interest is the main focus, you really need to have interesting characters and story for it to realistically actually like be interesting. Oh, definitely. And for, to want people to, to investigate and find the clues, I think. And it's how people... I suppose it's also like having different personalities within the game 
in that kind of way and focusing on um you know that kind of stuff is how people look at clues and and inter-party um interaction between stuff because if you've got fear uh, involved you're going to get a lot of situations where some people don't want to go into the abyss if you like and want to mm. take it easy and go for more of a kind of grounded investigation whereas other people are ready to go in and that that can bring up I think that happened a lot in Cthulhu mm. like me for one like my personally as well sometimes I'm like I get a bit nervous about things like guys this might be like you know we might die if we do this right now maybe we should just check something out more and that really really you need that in an investigative mm. game I think that kind of clashing of personalities sometimes and, and, and deeper deeper characters. Well that actually brings me to another good point because the um, the, the the clashing of personalities is another good thing that often leads to different solutions yeah. of clues. And one of the things, I don't know if you guys experience this in your um, maybe in DMing but like when the players have run out of fucking ideas and you want them to follow the breadcrumb trail and go along to a certain point of the story and they're just not getting it, mm-hmm. what do you do? Because I, I think I've got a few solutions. Some games nowadays, for instance, Cthulhu, um, uh, you know, have luck or something like that where you can just roll if you're a pussy and you can't figure it out. If, uh. if that fails as well, you've got like the ideal roll. Which is literally yeah, like idea or giveaway basically uh, giveaway. If you're so much of a dickhead that you can't figure it out, uh. you give them. Surely you just got to present the clue in a different way. Surely yeah, or something. I don't know. Like yeah, it, just make something happen. Like as opposed to being like, okay, so we're all stuck. Or just saying, roll intelligence. Yes, you definitely need to get to this area now. And like instead yeah. of trying to like point it out and make it obvious and therefore not fun, a good way to do it is to be like. Okay, so this happens, like, I don't know, fucking someone storms in and they're shouting and moaning about some, something crazy going on in this area. They'll be like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. right, well, we don't know what to do here, so we're going to go investigate that. And little do they know that's exactly where they need yeah, to be. Yeah, like, it'll be mm-hmm. something linked, but it won't be the exact thing. Yeah. yeah. And if it's high action and you just kind of think quickly, didn't you? Yeah, so that? maybe give, like, a story reason for them to go to the place, but it's not the exact link thing, and then while they're there, they might find it find it yeah something like that rather than just a fucking roll that gives them the fucking clue because oh we well, didn't get boring. it guys but if you check the bookcase then yeah it's so uncreative to yeah. do shit like that I hate it um, but I always find in uh, my brother's uh, one shots his Cthulhu one shots that he does it's so funny because he doesn't ever offer he's quite harsh in that respect he never offers a role intelligence and uh, figure out what it is he never goes role intelligence oh you seem to remember this he mm-hmm. never ever does that mm-hmm. so what always ends up happening when we're shit out of ideas we just tend to brute force it we'll be like oh we can't remember what to do does anyone have any ideas and Sean will just sit there like completely quiet and he'll give us nothing and we'll be like alright well we think it might be something to do with the cult so let's just go there and just beat people up until we figure <laughs> until it out yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be it like, but it's still I mean it's still that's still investigating it's a means it's to a, an end though isn't it it's so, a form yeah. of investigation yeah, exactly. it's beating people up interrogation so whatever. Yeah. if they want to be a couple of chickens who go their entire lives without experiencing the unrivaled thrill of an RPG that's their business I've been playing for like 13 years you stupid bitch then prove it by play go fuck yourself just to wrap the segment up I have a secret weapon with investigation games if you're a DM that I wanted to share with people and uh, I've used this once as um, a DM I've used it several times actually but I've applied it to investigative games once and uh, yeah basically um, 
there was uh, I've said this many times I think with regards to dungeon puzzles and this is um, create problems but not solutions yes um now, how this applies to investigation is really, really simple. So, in a dungeon, um, if you want a uh, players to feel great and like they're geniuses, and um, come up with a puzzle, right? And when they've, uh, but ha- offer absolutely no solution to it, just have a button, have it do something weird, and have the players interact with it until you they do something that you think is significantly um, good enough, and they've spent a significant amount of time, and you think it seems intelligent and then go yeah the door opens <laughs> right they'll feel like geniuses because they've come up with the solution yeah they'll uh, it will feel cool because they've done it and it will seem like a really cool puzzle that you've come up with now you could do that with investigative gameplay as well because i did this with my um cthulhu investigators investigators school um campaign uh, it was a one shot that i did right where they had to um discover the source of this um portal oh, yeah. that was opening up right that was fun. and it turns out um i was going to have any one of three items be the source of the portal yeah, just one yeah um, and in in the end i made it so that it was all three of the items but that's because that's what um it was me and peter that played it with you wasn't it and, yeah um we were sort of we found one of these items and then we're just like okay but it can't be just this because the uh, we heard something that was said beforehand or we read something in the game that led us to believe like okay so this is part one of the thing it must be two other things and we managed to sort of tie it all in together and mm-hmm. I thought that was a cooler solution, so I just changed it on the fly, and the, it made a much better story. So, so like what I did is I wait for these guys to sort of investigate it. They sat down, they discussed it, and they went, "I think it's all three items." And I think at this point, at every day, all three of the school clubs are meeting. They've got all of the items, and each one is an artifact, and that's opening up the portal. And I went, "That's a great solution." So that's going to be it. Yeah. So when they got all the items together, I was like, "The portal opens up." It made the the, the the both of them feel like geniuses because they come up with the solution that's let's be honest was better than anything I was gonna write <laughs> and then uh, yeah and then actually it made up for a really cool story yeah. they've got all three of these clubs that previously hated yeah. each other together we had, yeah we had a, a big team as a result as opposed to just going in sort of solo which would have been and a suit and a, and a suit in end Really, yeah, so w- what you can do, if you want to come up with a really, really cool, um, probably better for short campaigns maybe, is is come up with, with um, a, a mystery and just come up with a mystery, chuck your players into it and watch them go and just see, see what they come up with. And when they come up with something that you think is really clever, makes a cool story and is awesome and they spent a significant amount of time and had an, a significant amount of fun doing it, then say, well, that's the solution. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that's it. You're that's clever, my DM's secret weapon. Thanks. Um, so, so that's it. And that's investigative gameplay. Um, that's that's a few few little tips from us, a little discussion. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys have enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy investigative games. Because we do. We love it. Yeah, oh, yeah, we love, we love it. You. Um, what are some good investigative, just to wrap this up, what are some good investigative games out there, though? Some ex- what, Although we've said you can do it in any system, what are the best ones out there? I would say Gumshoe. Yeah, well, it's, Cthulhu's the king, isn't it? Yeah. But you've Gumshoe's got, geared for investigation. Well, that's like saying that's like saying what's the best um, what's the best sword and sorcery RPG, and then going D twenty. <laughs> oh, right, okay, 
Yeah. Um, so obviously you've got you've got things like Trail of Cthulhu. Trail of Cthulhu. You've got um, <clears throat> there's all right, there's Bubble the Bubblegum Shoe. Yep. Teen Investigation Fear, Game. Fear itself. Fear itself looks pretty rad. Uh, was it um, Night Stark Agents? Night Stark Agents. Yes. Exo Terrorists. Loads of gumshoe stuff. But yeah, very investigative based games. Um, Winter Eternal is quite good for that kind of stuff yeah. as well. You could probably do it in uh, GURPS. That's what I oh yeah, GURPS would be pretty awesome for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it has Savage got Worlds. some pretty good rules for that in there. Savage Worlds as well. You could do it in there. So there's lots of good games out there if you want to do strictly investigative games. But do it in whatever system you fucking like, you idiots. <laughs> James did. Okay, so this is <laughs> Song Fight, right? And Song Fight, right? James... Should we apologise beforehand? Yeah, okay. I'm going to apologise so for mine, and then Harrison's going to apologise for his. I made mine yesterday after work in approximately a half hour window, um, and uh, I produced something. <laughs> yeah, um, mine took about an hour, right? Um, if it's okay with you, James, I'm going to play mine first. Yep. And I'm going to do a little explanation. The um, the subject uh, that we went for this time uh, was the good old days. I should explain. This, this is a segment where we make songs and we battle them. And this week it is going to be me versus James. And the subject is the good old days. And I had about an hour to produce mine because I was very busy with a project um, that I can't tell you about. Um, I'm really not happy with this one. But because I had such a short amount of time to do it, I got too far into it and realised I couldn't start over. And there is a bit in the song, right? There's two things I want you to look out for. There's a bit where I had a mental breakdown and it's actually audible in the song, right? Secondly, there's a bit where I hit my knee on the desk and you can hear me actually get hurt by it. And I I didn't have time to cut it out of the song. So listen carefully for that, right? Uh, Secondly, I'm really... Really genuinely sorry about this one. Alright, so I'm going to play it now. Listen, before you listen to this song, there's a lot of stuff you're going to hear in here. This, you're going to lynch me about and shit. But don't lynch anyone, alright? Lynching should have stopped a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so you stand in front of a 30 foot wide fiery chasm. What would you like to do? Magnus leaps across. Okay, so roll your acrobatics. Okay, I got a two. You make a pitiful jump into the flames. You die immediately. No, but I was going to use inspiration, so I get to roll again and choose the higher number. Okay, well, re-roll then and choose the higher number. Okay, that's a 20. Okay, well, miraculously, this unathletic wizard jumps over a 30-foot chasm. Yay! Surprising everyone. Uh, The onlookers clap with glee. Fuck! Your inspiration! Points. Fuck. Your inspiration. Points. Yeah. Fuck. Your inspiration. Points. Fuck. Your inspiration. Points. Yeah. Um, why did you just say fart out of nowhere? Um, to get a Benny for telling a funny joke. Um, there'll be no Bennies for that joke. 
Okay, so as you fight um, the tit monsters, one of them gives you a wound. I spend a penny to get rid of that wound. Okay, um, you spend a penny and uh, the wound you just got magically disappears for no reason. Ugh. So lighten up once in a while, for fuck's sake. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. I don't know why I did like a werewolf voice at the end. Oh, <laughs> oh that was brilliant. I like it. Oh, it well done. Okay, so, um, yeah, nice one. <laughs> See, Harrison's was the, um, an entire song. Mine's quite a short song. Um, the, I played a guitar, a cajon, my hands and my voice in it. And you played your own hands. I remember the good old days when the world wide web was in its early stage. All of our games were there were face to face. We played for hours and we stayed up late. Nowadays you can meet online without moving the foot. You just synchronize your time and you go on the world wide interweb and we'll play all night or until you're dead. Now I ain't saying that it's a bad. In fact, I think it's great. No need to pack my bag full of equipment. I'll just go online and get my character sheet ready and have a good time. You see, I make a point for every week to meet up with my group wherever and play. I like face to face better like the good old days. Doesn't matter how you do it. This is just my way. Good old days. Far above the quality very, of very anything good. we've done. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm really annoyed about that. That's awesome. Because that actually showcased actual talent. Yeah. I'm really fucked off. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm going to cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> That's so good. Well done, mate. Yeah. Um, oh, that was so good. Cheers. Yeah, so it was obviously. It was like. A, uh, it was, so it was about the, the lament of people playing online and not doing it properly. No, it was just saying, like, it's, it's, he just, like, the last verse sort of section was saying, I'm not saying it's bad, but I just, you know, I like it my way. 
Um, that's the good old days because he's he's been used to. He likes character sheets. He likes he likes you know packing his bag full of stuff, going somewhere, playing face to face with his other teammates, and that's what I based it on because the only obviously prerequisite for this song fight was the good old days. I was like, fuck it, I'll do a, a hillbilly that's slightly modernised because he has access to it online. That Bra was so vo, good. Mate. Bra fucking vibe. Very good. Thank you. Video game gazebo. Come in. Come out the cold. Come into the gazebo. Video game gazebo. Yes. We we'll put the flaps down. <laughs> snow wind blows through. Okay. Yeah. We've put a flap down. Come into the gazebo. Okay. And this is where we're going to talk about a game, a video game that was either inspired by, directly based on, or licensed of an RPG, a tabletop RPG. Yeah. And today we are talking about. It is the classic. It's Dungeons and Dragons Tower of Doom for the arcades. Tower of Doom. Okay, now this is an absolute fucking classic of a fucking video game. Fuck. And I have spent... <laughs> this is probably one of my favourite video games of all time. It is a side-scrolling beat-em-up, and it was released in the 90s, early 90s, I think, by Capcom and TSR, and it was released in arcades. It didn't really get released in England, so you have to play it on an emulator. And I know there's people out there, they're saying, that's piracy, but you can buy it on Xbox Live now, but you can buy a shitty version that's balked and all glitchy if you want. So go and fucking pirate it, because they fucked it on Xbox Live. But this is a really, really good beat-em-up, where you can. it has levelling up, it has selecting items, it has different classes that you can play. You can name your guy, right? And you guys are going to like this, because <laughs> you can name it but you can put swear words in there and it just yes. fucking allows it nice so I was playing it this morning to get a little refresher and this is the first of two games but I was playing Tower of Doom and uh, I called my guy Cunton um, so yeah I played as <laughs> Cunton the Dwarf and I got to the uh, Displacer Beast boss on one credit anyone that's played this game before will know that that is an amazing feat um, <laughs> but this game uh, it's, it's plays kind of similar to Golden Axe but good and um, it's it's got uh, multiple routes unlike a lot of beat-em-ups did at the time it's uh, got it's got leveling up as I said it's got item shops where you can buy items mm -hmm. and it's got a magic user in it who can use various spells and scrolls and things like that it stays quite true to to D and D except that it's a very sort of hack and slash you get to beat the shit out game. of everybody yeah it's got a story that's utterly nonsensical <laughs> and every time you insert a coin it says welcome to the D and D world. Welcome to the D&D &D world. <laughs> Which is fucking awesome. So, um, anyone that uh, is worth their weight in salt, get this fucking game on an emulator on your computer now and fucking play it. Because it is a great video game. And if you like D&D &D or you like role-playing games, go and play this. There is a sequel, but we'll talk about that another time. D&D... Tower of Doom for the arcades. Great game. I think and this might be our sweariest segment yet. Go <laughs> yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> so this, that nice. is, and that is the video game Gazebo. Angry, sweary gazebo. Get Angry, the sweary f bitch. So get the f out of the gazebo. <laughs> yes. You need to beat loads of And that's the gazebo. Video game gazebo. That's the last time we're doing that. <laughs> Welcome to the Chamber of Challenges. Chamber of Challenges. The Chamber of Challenges. Chamber of Challenges. 
The Chamber of Challenges. Um, okay, so my challenge this week, I've just uh, pinched an idea from that great British institution, BBC Radio 4. Uh, we're going to do play Just a Minute. Have you ever played that before? No. Okay, cool. So Just a Minute is, I'm going to give you a subject, and you uh, both, you have to talk about this subject for, for, for a minute. And you've got to time it. And yeah, I've got a timer here. So, uh, so and, and you've got to talk. Yeah, you've got to talk about something for a down. minute. No hesitation, reputation, or deviation. And you've both got to talk for a minute. Every time you mess up, it will go to James, and vice versa. And whoever's talking when the minute is up, or like as it comes to a minute, wins. Okay, cool. Uh, wicked. All right. So now I've got to think of a subject. Um, it's going to be really difficult. Okay, the subject's going to be. This is a good one for you too, actually. This will be interesting. The subject's going to be Pathfinder. You guys ready? Yeah. So we're going to play just a minute. I'm going to be so bad at this. Uh-huh. And your minute starts now. Okay, so Pathfinder is an RPG set in a fantasy universe. It contains wizards, clerics, bards, fighters, all manner of classes, and it is set in a world called Galarian. I've never actually played in that particular world. I tend to make my own uh, universe. It's a world twice. <laughs> Fuck! Oh, um... Yes, so to continue on with uh, that, you have the option uh, to purchase many different, uh, what are they called, the, the additional rule books that you can... Hesitation. Uh, You've been hesitating for ages. There are many uh, different rule books in this universe. Um, they uh, are... Hesitation. <laughs> you can get additional help on the... the hesitation. My favourite thing about this particular RPG is the fact that you can draw your own battle maps and the tactical... <laughs> you can draw your own diagrams on a piece of paper and allow players to uh, more hesitation. <laughs> There's a lot of variety in. <laughs> so I win. You win. Man, that was abysmal. <laughs> we suck at talkage. <laughs> I'm no good at talkage. <laughs> when the timer comes on, my no can speak. <laughs> talkage. We're now playing just a minute, round two. Subject is made, and here is your minute begins. And your minute begins now. So I'm going to talk about made an RPG system. It's absolutely fantastic. Basically, you play two types of characters, one of them being a butler, the other being the female version, because I can't repeat that word. And... (laughs) (laughs) The female version... uh, tends to be more of a rounded character while the butler is more overpowered and specialised. These particular um, branches of specialisation tend to be things such as demon, which are kind of a type of thing. <laughs> oh, no. The thing I like about this system is how crazy it gets. Um, there's loads of different things that can happen and stuff. Uh, no. Such as you can have random events, which there is a giant table of different random events that happen. Some oh, events. bugger! You cunt! <laughs> Quick. Quick. Sorry. Um, yes, you can roll from this table and you roll a, a triple six. Um, oh, one apiece. <laughs> Come on. This isn't good radio. One, one. All right. Good. Yes. Should we do one more round to see who is the champion of one more minute? Oh, What's no. it called? Just a minute. Just a minute. Okay. One more minute. Okay, so let's do it one more round. Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. Let's and, go. And your minute begins now. 
Call of Cthulhu is a game inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft. He was a writer from back in those days, and he did things such as cosmic horror, and he was very, very scared about the things that came from outer space. Things repetition. <laughs> I like cock, but not that version, because that's the abbreviation of this system. It is fantastic, and it uses a D100 system where you roll two consecutive D10s and have... A percentage which determines your roll, and that means that you will determine how well you do on any given task. This will be related to a number on your character sheet, which shows how good you are at any given ability. Now, these abilities can range from... Fuck! (sighs) Hesitation. These can range from anything from photography, to cartography, to electronics. Yes! I am the champion! You get the minute. (laughs) He's just beating him up now. (laughs) You win the minute. In the future, you will be able to send a letter from anywhere on the planet. This is the future. This is the Electro Letter. So, this is Electro Letters, and this is where we read out your mail, which is siphoned to us through tubes in the Matrix. And uh, we channel them through our brains and mouths into making them into audible form. From which we can all enjoy as one collective mind. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, Nick, what is the first Electro Letter? Uh, the first Electro Letter is from Jay Pearson. Oh my god. Yeah. Jamie. Jamie. King of the RPG brew. Owner. Of the RPG The landlord. Brewery. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, new landlord of the RPG brewery. Um, and Jamie says, if a paladin bangs a hooker, is it okay as long as she believes in the same god? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the law of the particular state in which he bangs said hooker. Uh, okay. Doesn't it? Well, if it's lawful, yeah. Well, paladins have to be lawful, Nick. So if it's prostitution, if prostitution is legal in that town... Then then it's all right. Yeah, breaking no law. Exactly. So gods don't... And don't talk religion when you're doing that kind of stuff. No, because it's always a turn-off. Yeah. (laughs) Well, unless you're into that kind of thing. (laughs) That's true, yeah. (laughs) Talk holy to me, baby. (laughs) Let's talk about that Bible. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah, wicked. Thank you very much, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, and from that question, we next we have another profound question that's come in. Uh, this is from Sean Hunt, and Sean asks, "Do you lick a dick a day?" <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I think you tricked something else. Hold on. Do you uh, lick a dick a day? Do you lick a dick a day? <laughs> Do you lick a dick a day? Um, James, do you? No, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, do you remember any of the well this was a classic question in England where you go up to somebody and they, they, they wouldn't know what it meant so you go up and go do you look at a good day and they go uh yeah or you go, or you go uh or you go up to someone and go only oh, div say what and then they go what and you're like, uh idiot <laughs> you're div <laughs> um, or you'd go um, something like uh, dickheads are deaf or no you go dickheads are deaf and they go what and you'd be like ah, you didn't hear it so you're a dickhead Oh, he put, as Sean said after in brackets, probably best you say yes. But probably best to say yes. So No, he's trying to get us. Oh, no. You have to wake up very early in the morning to catch us out, Sean. Yeah. Uh, so that's that question. Uh, next question's coming from Zach the Jenk. 
Hello, Jack. Jack. <laughs> Jack. 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 Zinkins. How's it going, Zach? How's it going, Zach the Jank? You need to speak with more respect to the Zach, mate. Okay, so Zach's question is, uh, do you prefer to DM or play? Are there certain games you prefer to DM while others you prefer to play? I would like to add that I am involved in my community by choice. Definitely not state-mandated decree. Also, it, it was in fact a character that killed all those people on that ship. It was my first campaign ever as a DM. Uh, that almost made me give up time behind the screen forever. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, mate. Come on. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's telling the truth. Um, okay, so do you prefer playing or DMing? Is there certain systems you prefer to play or DM? Well, I prefer... DMing mostly, mm-hmm. but I do prefer being a player sometimes. I love playing. When um, it comes to Savage Worlds, I much much prefer being a player. Yeah, I I love playing because I yeah I've I've started off as a player, um, but after GMing I do I love that as well. So it's good. Yeah, it's both those merits. I I'm, yeah I'm pretty on the same. I just enjoy gaming, whether it be GMing or for me I, I prefer being a DM simply because. Um, I, I really enjoy making maps yeah. and coming up with stories. Stories and, and stuff, I love that. I, I always like making items as well, because I know that often when you buy a book, they they have a good load of items in the book. I don't know why I said it like that, but I quite like coming up on my own as well. Yeah, for me, I like DMing quite What about a lot. you, Pumpkin? No, no pumpkins. I don't know where this fucking came from. Shut it, Pumpkin. <laughs> what is your answer to the question? Oh. Personally, I prefer being a player, as I've mainly been a player. Um, All right, player. Um, but after just finishing up my first campaign as a DM, I do enjoy it. Um, you know, Pathfinder is my favourite system, so it would be biased for me to just say yeah that because I haven't experienced any others as a DM. And we had a tweet. Uh, we had a tweet from Twitter uh, that says uh, Mansions of Madness, Second Edition, bloody perfect it is. So that's uh, a recommendation for a good investigative game, I suppose. Sweet, yeah. So thanks for that, Grim Tree Games. Mansions of Madness. What's well, so like? You go in, there's like really, like really kooky wallpaper. I think it's called a Cthulhu. Yeah, it is, but it's, it's like, but like, I mean, I mean, really kooky wallpaper. Like it's mad. It's proper like, mad. <laughs> yeah, like Mansions of Madness, blood. <laughs> like this is a mad mansion. I tell this you is that. A mad mansion, you know. Like the curtains are like polka dot, but with Whoa. those with those carpets. That is bad. That is a mad mansion. <laughs> yeah, that's the game. And that's second edition. Brilliant. Yeah. <clears throat> and we've had one more question from uh, Manuel, uh, Manuel Sams, and he said, our, our Sundered Skies group just arrived, uh, just survived a big battle, five against 44. What was the biggest engagement you ever fought in a game? And what's your take on mixing systems for a game? Uh, for a game, example, using D and D for character play sessions and axes and allies for or, for realm versus realm battles. Uh, so, first question is, what's the biggest battle we've had? So, okay, so uh, the biggest battle I ever fought in a game, I've got two examples. And the first one I ever did was um, when I DM'd the free pen and paper Fallout RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a link in the description of the last episode. I'll put it in this one again because I'm trying to get people to fucking play that game because it's wicked. Um, right at the end, the the whole campaign was based around them trying to get back into their vault to get revenge on the people that kicked them out into the wasteland. Oh yeah, that's it. Um, anyway, uh, what they did is they eventually um, got a, a recruited a bunch of raiders 
and um, launched a massive attack on Megaton and just all the people in Megaton. It was the same world as Fallout 3. Nice. So um, it was just uh, then with 100 raiders um, or, or thereabouts, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, versus all the citizens of Megaton. And in my version, it was a lot bigger. So it's about 100 or so raiders versus about 100 or so villagers in um in Megaton and it was a huge 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 fucking fight and all they were doing was taking these raiders and their big army to go and get the mayor of Megaton you know mm-hmm. that black guy with the hat I forget yeah, what his yeah, fucking yeah. name was um in this he was called Dejango specifically said wrong because it was a it was a joke um an in joke <laughs> anyway the point was is they were going in to get him him and then when they got in uh, they found that he wasn't there, and then he came up over the hill yeah. in like one of those giant mechs that you get in Fallout. You know, like um, Liberty Prime. Oh yeah, yeah. Of um, anyway, so it was a big fight of two 100 versus 100 armies fighting um, with the giant mech in the midst of this battle, nice. and it was fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so that was the big climactic fight of the whole campaign. So that sick. that was pretty sick. That's pretty cool. And the other one, it wasn't um, in terms of volume of people. But I think it was the end of Al Gerp's campaign with two giant mechs fighting with the party of people fighting on top of yeah. the two mechs fighting, fighting yeah, in space. Cool. That was pretty rad. That was cool. I threw a horde at you guys in my zombie game, didn't I? And when you, oh, when yeah. you just tried to sneak around and there was about 40 minis on the map. Oh, that was pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, but we ran away. But you made, yeah, you just ran away. But it was cool. That was fun. I think that was the biggest ever kind of potential battle that I've slung out. That yeah. was good fun. But we avoided one as well on Gerbs when we uh, broke through the toilet. There was a helicopter from oh, the massive yeah. army outside and then we went down we ran away. through a system. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was going to be huge, yeah. Yeah, they, we were yeah. surrounded, weren't we? So... Uh, yeah, there you go. And oh, yeah. And his second question was, um, "What's your take on mixing systems for a game? For example, using D and D for character play sessions and axes and allies for realm versus realm battles." Can I say that if you think it can work, then just do it? Because Harrison managed to merge um, what was it, Pathfinder and Call of Cthulhu together. We went into a different... We were in the Call of Cthulhu. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. And then we went into a portal that put us in the Pathfinder system. That was a lucky coincidence, though, because I wanted to... um Merge merge the two worlds in in this portal, and it was quite. I was quite lucky because I was. I basically shot first and asked questions later. Because one of the characters, your character Nick, was a gunslinger, and he was going into the Pathfinder universe. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I found out then that Pathfinder had rules for gunslingers, yeah. so I was able to recreate your character in Pathfinder. That was awesome. Yeah, but yeah, you can do it. Um, I know that uh, Sean was planning on doing a GURPS game and then having Car Wars be part of it but those Perfect. systems are really easily meldable but um yeah i think i think it's easily doable i mean mm-hmm. they, they they used to have back in the day uh for warhammer they had they had another game where you could do um for the big realm battles there so i can't remember what it was called but it was like citadel or something yeah. like that i can't remember but yeah that that would be fucking awesome if you had if you had something like that like axis and allies as like the big world fights and then honed in and had the the battles played out in some other system that'd be sick but yeah yeah i think it's a great idea personally definitely yeah Yeah. why not you know if you can make it work and do it i'm sure and if anyone can manuel can let's move on so thank you everyone for your letters we appreciate them very much uh keep them coming in we love you we love hearing from you you are good 
and uh, we best ones. Well, you're the best ones. Mm-hmm. All the ones. They're the best ones. They're the best ones. Uh-huh. All right. See you later, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? We're now ready for takeoff, so please fasten your seatbelts. Bring up the shout out. So this is the section of the show where we give shout outs to our Nerds International colleagues and this show we're talking about it's it's the big man himself, the big MC, the Bob Funk. It is Manuel Sams. Yep. He's the king. The king presiding over the Veiled Manuel RPG show. Otherwise known as the Veiled Fury (laughs) Entertainment RPG show. Yep. And the thing I like about that the most, Nick... (laughs) Is the handsome guests? Yeah, they got. What do you think? Good... What do you think? How how handsome the guests are? Matt Stark. Looks Matt Stark. Ravishing. He he's a male model, and then he's got those other two male models on there as well. Them guys are pretty pretty cool. So basically, three <laughs> male models. That I think that's the most male models on any on any show on any RPG entertainment show ever. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, that's kicking it off with that. Just that. Second just of all, Savage Shadowrun, a conversion that he himself made. Mm-hmm. Kicking it off with that. Yeah. Right? Third of all, Chicago, right? The Windy City. Mm-hmm. Kicking it off with that. Kicking it off with Chicago, right? yeah. Thirdly, right? Fourthly. F- fifthly, <laughs> right? Fucking really great story. Kicking, kicking it, it off, off with, with that. that as well. Bloody hell. <laughs> How many more things can you kick it off it's with? It's proper kicking it off. It's proper kicking it off right here. He no, kicked right it there. off so hard. I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know if he can kick it back on again. He's kicked it off so. <laughs> Where's it gone? He kicked it off so far. It's gone into fucking into fucking, fucking orbit. Yeah, it's the biggest kickoff I've ever seen. <laughs> this is so. <laughs> oh, uh, so what we're trying to say is go and check out the Veiled Fury Entertainment Manuel Show. Yep, it's great. Yeah, James, you checked it out yet? Because it's kicking yeah. off, mate. It's kicking off. <laughs> it's kicking right fuck off. What was your favourite bit about it, do you think? The bit when it kicked off. <laughs> of course, oh, exactly. No, no, but specifically yeah, like, no, about yeah, the what content. Was your, what was your favourite bit? You know, like the bit, like, when... When it, when it just kicked no, off. No, 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 but about, no, but about... No, not about the kicking off, right? But, like, when... No, we appreciate no, like, it kicked off. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate we appreciate that, right? But like, not not about that. But like, when you're talking about, like, let's say for instance the story. What was your favourite bit about? What's your, who was your favourite character? Yeah, yeah, the main one. Yeah, no, no, but there was three main ones. Who was your favourite yeah. main one? Like the main one out of the three main ones, obviously. Yeah. No, but who was your favourite? You haven't watched it, have you? <laughs> what? Not yet. <laughs> okay, right. I'm not bringing our guests on because they never listen to anything. <laughs> you fucking lazy sack of shit. No, I've been busy, right? I haven't managed to catch up yet, dickhead. Three models. Ouch! <laughs> Three models and a king on that show. I threw the notebook out in memoir. No! Okay, alright, this is... This podcast has turned into pandemonium. Okay, right, stop throwing things, even though I did it to begin with. Shut up. My name's Alan Rickman, and I'm Jim... Gen- no, wait. My name's also Alan Rickman. No, I'm Alan. No, I'm, no, no. I'm the real Alan Rickman. No, wait, I'm Alan Rickman. <laughs> but I'm not. No, wait. No, what? But no, I'm Alan Rickman. No, shush. I'm la- tabletop twats. You know what, guys? I've been getting these fucking weird emails all week, right? From fucking 
Uh, we got them from Morgan Ellis. We got mm-hmm. them from Gary. Gary, yeah. Zach Jenkins. They've been sending us these weird fucking emails of like, there's a naked guy with bacon all over him. Oh, man, yeah, just pictures and all of, of bacon. Said, yeah, they said they were from a group called the Gnomelings, yeah. right? And they've been sending us these weird fucking emails all, all about bacon, saying courtesy of the Gnome King. Yeah, what the fuck? Do you know, I think the fucking homeless gnome is behind this, mate. He's he's ascended or something to... He's like the gnome well, that king. That little prick. It's oh. fucking dickhead, mate. We need to oh. pay this fucking dick a, a little visit. Little Do you know where he's at? Well, I heard rumour that he's, he's he's built a castle somewhere in Reading. What? Yeah, yeah I'm not fucking joking, mate. People have um, listened to this show and they want to get in touch with us. How do they do that, guys? Well, number one, get on emails, right? Get on to tabletoptwats at gmail.com. We've been receiving a lot of weird shit recently. We could really do with some nice emails. Or they can go on to Facebook, which is, James? It's uh, facebook.com forward slash Yes, also on the Twitter, which is at Tabletop Twats. Or Tumblr, we don't know how it works. Don't know what's going on over there. But most importantly, Google Plus. Google Plus. Get on the Google. And lastly, send us your fan mail. Yes. To my address, which is... (laughs) Should I give out my actual address? (laughs) No. Okay, right. All right, never mind. I'll cut that out. I'll bleep that. Um, Okay, so... um, there we, remains one thing to be said then. We will. Um, we always give you a philosophical question. Something to meditate on. Something to think about before the next podcast comes out so that you don't get bored. Just for and having me. What? Just for having me. Just squeezing it in. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, James. <laughs> yeah. Do you oh, yeah. Um, we'd like to thank, thank James, James for, for coming, coming on. on. Thanks, guys, <laughs> for the show. Yes. <clears throat> Good. Okay. So, we like to always give you a philosophical question... For uh, to think about before the next podcast, something to meditate on, something, some brain food. All right, and today will be no exception. Bear in mind, we always give you the answer for the last one on the next podcast. And um, today will be, how did the cat get in the bag in the first place? Mm. Mm. And there remains one thing that needs to be said before we end the podcast. One thing that unites us all. One thing that brings us together and makes us one. It lets us know that we are in fact one being. That we're all connected. And that we are one person. And that no matter what, no matter how society and corporations try to tear us down. That we are all actually one being. And that together we can make change. We can make this world a better place. And that thing is... Chicken McBosh. Yes! Good Good bike! Fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm falling. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Look out below. What? Get out of the way or I'm going to crush you. You best not be threatening me, boy. No, no, no. I mean, m- move out of the way. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm staying right where I am. <laughs> fuck it. Incoming. Oof. You see, boy, it did take more than a flying human to the face from a sentry's feet to knock me off my balance. Anyway, what? Strange clothes. Where are you from? Shitterton? Perhaps Arsville. Um, are those real places? Aye. The book. I was teleported into the book, and it must have been badly written. Listen, um, I'm actually from very far away. Ah, Cantington. Uh, n- no, um, I'm, I'm from another universe. Oh, right. 
So um, I need to find like a sorcerer or like a wizard or something who can send me back to my world. Oh, I don't trust magic users, my boy. But I'm nay a cunt. I help yous out. You landed in the middle of fucking nowhere. Your nearest town is going to be about four hours walk in that direction. You might find a wizard there, but I wouldn't know for certain. That's the best I can do. Hey, well, uh, thanks, um... Raggy. Raggy Rumblebottom. Um, my name's Harrison Hunt. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, nothing. Don't go telling people your full name, okay? Just say you're called, uh, Harrison. See you! Um, okay, bye.